Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Well, T.J. Watt had a sack again. Imagine that. The man is averaging more than a sack per game this season. That now brings his league-leading total, Jacob, to 17. And I saw on the broadcast Saturday night that if he were to lead the league in sacks, he would would become the only player to do that in three separate seasons in NFL history be the league leader in sacks. I mean, so Aaron Donald never did it now, or should we wait till the end of his career <laughs> when he accumulates more and more and more sacks? Uh, just like, think of the play. Reggie white never did that. JJ Watt never did that. Aaron Donald never did that. Three separate seasons at the top of that totem pole. Uh, what a remarkable accomplishment that would be for TJ. And I think it's something that he's going to have happen. Jacob, if he can stay healthy, uh, interestingly enough, his opponent in last week's game, Trey Hendrickson, is the one nipping at his heels. Uh, he has 16 sacks on the season. Uh, Danielle Hunter has 15 and a half. Uh, Miles Garrett has gone four straight games without a sack. He's yes. kind of he's kind of fallen out of the sack race. But did you uh, see Dale Lolly's tweet about it? Yeah, that's a drought. Uh, no question about it. Um, no question. So he's kind of out of the race uh, for the sack title. Uh, I, I look. He's got two games to go. Uh, he's been healthy for the most part through this season. Knock on wood, stays healthy through these next two games. They're big games for the Steelers. They need him regardless of his own individual accomplishments. But, man, I think he's going to at least get a sack per game. Uh, I think 19 will at least lead the league. So he's going to set himself a nice little record here, Jacob. Yeah, he definitely will. It's just a matter of does he get the 20 or not. Uh, I thought he could have gotten – to two on Saturday. Uh, let's see if he can get at least two in one of these last two games against Seattle or Baltimore. I have to assume he does, Tom. When when you have it's it's the same thing that happened two seasons ago when he was chasing twenty two and a half. When you have a number in mind or in reach, and you're a guy like TJ Watt, one of the most determined players in football, you don't just shy away from. You don't just shy away from the moment. I mean, there was a point where he was kind of falling off track from catching 22 and a half. And then what did he do down down the stretch of the season? Didn't he have a four-sack game against Baker Mayfield and the Browns? I believe it was. Right, yeah, it was the same right day where he, like, would track. you're too small to Baker Mayfield when he would jump up and swat the balls right. away. Yeah, that Monday night game. Had a four-sack game against the Browns, putting him right back in arm's reach of that record, which he did get. Uh, so now here we are two years later. I don't think he'll get to 22 and a half. That would mean what he needs five and a half sacks or six sacks, something like that. In these next two games, that'd be superhuman if he can get to those numbers, but TJ Watt, you never know. But to my estimation, TJ Watt's not a guy to shy away from a challenge. If he's within 20, I imagine he can get to 20. 
Yeah, you're right. Like three sacks in two games, he definitely thinks that that's doable. And and man, twenty is just such a nice round number, isn't it? To to attach that and, as and your total. We're, talk, we're talking about the guy becoming the first player ever to lead the league in sacks in in three years or more. The other stat that would be not, notable about getting to twenty would be he would become only the second player ever to have multiple seasons of twenty or more sacks. And you already know who the other guy, the only other guy to do that is in his NFL career. Big brother. Big brother. Yeah, yeah, I have to imagine with all of that known. What are they feeding those Watts, huh? I mean, what, oh what's God. going on in that household? Man, they're making what's going killers. On up in Wisconsin, right. Yeah, I have to assume he gets to at least 20. I have. And then by doing so, he'll, without question, lead the league in, in sacks for his third, third time of his young career. 20 would be so great, but I, mm-hmm. I lean if I had to, you know, choose one or the other, I think both you lead, could happen. You choose- I, he's just going to lead the league. You know, I don't think anybody's going to catch him. Uh, even if he falls short of 20 by one sack, gets to 19, that's, that's going to do it. That's going to be the high watermark. So, you know, he's going to lead the league in sacks for a third season. No one's ever done that before. Uh, he's going to have, you know, the forced fumbles. He scored a touchdown this year. He has the interception this year against the Rams. I mean, He's more tackles for losses than his peers. Everywhere you you look, TJ is kind of a, a, a head and shoulders above. Yet mm-hmm. I still don't feel like he's going to get the defensive player of the year. Now, my big argument last week when we talked about this was team success was going to hold him back. Well, the team's back on track now, and maybe they went out and they go ten and seven. And even if that misses the playoffs, ten and seven that's good team success for for an NFL team. So, you know. It's kind of uh, probably what's going to happen is they're going to end up giving it to somebody else, going to end up giving it to Garrett, but it's going to be a bit of a, a head scratcher. There's going to be a lot of graphics that are shown on national TV shows, I bet, comparing the two, and you're going to see most of them go in the favor of TJ, and you're going to have to wonder why the award went in the favor of Garrett. But I think it's a two-horse race right now. Parsons has kind of fallen off recently, and, and the Cowboys especially have kind of fallen off. But you know, with that sack drought being a thing with Garrett – you're really going to have to do some stretching and inventing and to give you giving reasons as to why he should get the award over TJ Watt, who is still putting up numbers every single week. Yeah. Right now, as it stands, TJ Watt is in third place for odds. To for win the odds. Micah is actually leading Miles Garrett at the moment. He's at plus 100. Miles Garrett's at plus 155. And TJ's all the way down at plus 300. Despite TJ Watt leading all three in sacks, tackles, tackles for loss, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries, quarterback hits, passes defended, interceptions, and touchdowns. It's really starting to become a little in with Garrett not picking things up in the sack total and Parsons kind of, I don't want to say sleepwalking, but he's not, you know, making the impact that you'd expect Mm -hmm. him to make. He doesn't even have an interception this year, Micah Parsons, where, where TJ Watt does. Um, you know, it's surprising that Watt hasn't gained more ground in that aspect or yeah. that Watt hasn't, you know, really been thrust into the front runner category for this award because just like you laid it out, Jacob, I mean, nothing you can really throw in my face makes sense other than just, oh, well, I just think he's a better player. Well, Garrett gets double teamed a lot. So does Watt. Oh, they, I mean, they all do. Let's not let's not deny that the yeah, the, the whole we, Garrett we, gets double teamed a lot brigade. I mean, welcome to the NFL and welcome to being an elite edge rusher. Right, and and you know, Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons also gets those double teams, and 
All, I mean, you got to give credit to all. They're all great players. Yes, of it's course. TJ Watt's undeniably having the better season right now, right this second. And, you know, you see week in and week out people calling out NFL crews for favoring offensive linemen, favoring, you know, not or not calling the holding calls on the defensive edge rushers or, or any guys rushing the quarterback. It's just like you said, it's the NFL. It's how you get around it. It's, it's the numbers you put up despite those setbacks. And that's what T.J. Watt's doing, and that's why it's so much more impressive. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I would give Watt the deep boy. Um, I think he deserves it, too. I don't think I'm being a homer there. I, I and no, I, 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 I was about to say the same thing. I don't think it's a biased opinion to say that. In fact, I think we've been doing our best to try to give it to the other P2. Like mm-hmm. last week when we were doing the show, I was ready to say, you know what? It's just going to be Garrett. And I'm okay with that as long as remember my take it was as long as it's not Parsons I'm okay with it because the numbers for Parsons just I don't I don't think they really warrant the award uh, if they had to give it to Garrett I wasn't gonna be mad he's a great football player having a great impact on his team who's having a great season this year um, but you know I, even then I feel like I'm kind of bending over backwards to try to give it to this guy and and I'm right. not really bringing anything tangible to the table other than just oh he's up next you know I mean it, it seems like Watt really at everywhere you turn should get the award, but it's an award voted on by individuals. Personal biases uh, definitely get uh, put into that uh, as much as they tell you they don't. So I would still stick with Garrett probably getting the award at the end of the year, even though it's so overwhelmingly Watts. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, it just seems like also he's kind of due. A lot of people are like that saying, has to do oh, with he's it, such yeah. a great player, such a great player, but I mean, if he's so due, Tom, wouldn't you think this guy would have finished in what? I think you mentioned this. Every year of his career, he has yet to finish in the top five in voting. Uh, yep, he hasn't been higher than fourth. So is, if he's so due, and I'm using air quotes here, wouldn't he have – shouldn't he have had better standing in that in that race for Depoy? Why is it all of a sudden, oh, he's finally having a Depoy – caliber season let's just give it to him now whereas watt was finishing third runner up before his time finally came exactly yeah he watt was sniffing around more than garrett um i look i'll stand by what i said last week it should be a two horse race right now not a three horse one it should be between garrett and watt you know afc north best conference in football meanest defenses in football Best player on one of those two defenses, I think, should win this award. Uh, the big debate this week, though, is not about who should win Defensive Player of the Year. It's about who should be under center for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pickett, mm-hmm. if healthy, or Mason Rudolph getting another shot. Now, we're going to have to play this game of what I would do versus what I think the team is going to do. I would probably give Mason Rudolph another run at this. Um, yeah, I'm with you. And that's kind of subscribing to the Steeler way of doing things. I'm trying to win the next game. Right. I want to beat the Seahawks, get to nine and seven and have a chance in Baltimore, maybe needing a little bit of help elsewhere, but a chance in week 18 to get yourself into the playoffs. And that's what the Steelers are about. It's not about the forest through the trees. It's about the big redwood that's sitting right in front of them with a Seahawks logo in front of it. And then you chop that Mm -hmm. down and then it's the Ravens one next week. So, you know, as far as that, you know, kind of mindset is concerned, I start Mason. I think Mason gives you the best chance to win a football game this coming Sunday. But I feel like the Steelers are going to kind of go a little bit away from that usual path, and they're going to start Kenny because he's their franchise guy. This is the future of the team, you think. 
once he's healthy, you get him right back in there, get him as many reps as he can to build up to that potential that you saw when you drafted him in the first round. So I think, you know, I'm opposite here. I think I would start Mason, but I think the team's going to go back to Kenny. And I get the logic behind going back to Kenny, but I, I just don't know if I agree with the decision, if that is indeed the decision they would make. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I kind of stand in the, in the uh, position that I want them to go with, with Mason Rudolph. He has the hot hand right now, but I believe they'll go with Kenny if he's available. I think, Tom, the best-case scenario is that I'm not rooting for Kenny to take an injury, but maybe he has a small setback and they kind of want to just not further risk it getting worse. And then you're kind of forced to going with, with Mason Rudolph on Sunday, which I would have no problem with doing. It just seems that if he was trending in the right direction last week, bearing any kind of setback, he'll be trending even more so in the right direction, which could eventually lead to him starting. I just wonder, Tom, you know, we've seen Mike Tomlin be a little wishy-washy on his quarterbacks. Go back to 2019. He was going game to game, half to half between Mason Rudolph and Doug Hodges. Go back to last year. It took until only week three or week four. For Mike Tomlin to say at halftime, you know what, Mitch, we've seen enough. Let's go with Kenny here. It took this season, right? Mitch started two games against the Patriots and against the Colts. And he said, enough is enough. I'm going to go with Mason Rudolph here. Would it shock you after this 34-point performance against the Bengals, if Kenny Pickett comes out flat again, you're seeing a lot of three and outs. You're seeing a lot of uh, dump-off passes on on second and long on third and longs you're not seeing the ball moving down the field would it surprise you no but that's nightmare scenario for them right if they do pull the switch and go back i mean he's got he's got to show you something now and if he doesn't oh boy i mean i think we kind of are already not ready to call him a bust by any stretch of the imagination but we're kind of you know wondering you're approaching we're wondering we're wondering let's just put the word the adjective we're wondering to it that that's what we're doing right now so if he comes back out and looks lost like that's gonna really add fuel to that fire you've seen a lot of teams be very patient with their quarterbacks but that's due in part to signs of life right you like you remember trevor lawrence's freshman his rookie year he wasn't the guy that you saw at Clemson. He wasn't the guy that you saw last year or at the beginning of this year. I won't say toward the latter half of this year because we've seen him kind of fall off a little bit. But you've seen a lot of teams try to be patient with their quarterbacks. And Kenny, I think, has been given a lot of wiggle room here. He started, what, 24, 25 games, 24 games, I believe, in his career. And the numbers just suggest that he is not – improving i don't want to like i'm with you i don't want to say yet he's a bust but he's still not showing those trends of an upward trajectory which really has us worried and if he does come out flat in the first half against seattle on sunday i have to wonder short term does mike tomlin go with mason rudolph excuse me to start the second half and be the long-term implications if you're going to bench your guy who you took in the first round, what does that mean for you moving forward? It means that you have admitted that he was not he's not the guy now, and I don't think that they're going to be ready to do that until at least next year at some point. So So I, do you do you then because of that, do you think despite 
and, and you know, this is – I don't want to say that I'm rooting for a bad first half from Kenny Pickett, but just if that's the hypothetical that we get, do they still just say we're going to press on with Kenny for the second half and for the last game against Baltimore? Yes. No matter what. And here's why I get to that so easily is I don't – what is Kenny's rock bottom really going to look like? It's not going to look like Mitch's. You know, it's not going to be throwing a 1,000 interceptions all over the ballpark. You know, Kenny's frustrations would come with, you know, he's not converting on third downs. Um, he's not pushing the ball down the field enough, not going through his reads like we saw Mason do. But it's 13 to 10 Seattle, and he hasn't turned the ball over yet at all. So, I mean, like, right. I, I don't know if there's going to be any benchable offenses. It's just going to be more like, eh, kind of play from him. You know, like, that's the thing with Kenny is the ceiling hasn't really shown to be that high yet, but also the floor didn't exactly drop out. Like, he doesn't kill mm-hmm. you. He just doesn't necessarily go out there and, and play a full 60 minutes of, of winning you a football game. Um, no, if they go to Kenny, man, he's the quarterback. There's no leash. You know, there's no – unless he throws like five interceptions, looks like Brock Purdy did against the Ravens, then maybe you think about it. But nah, once he gets back under center, it's number eight's job until injury decides that it's not again. And you might agree with that. You might disagree with that. But I just – I feel like that's the way the winds are blowing on this one. Yeah, no, I and I, I kind of understand with the logic, and I kind of agree with you because that's just not, except for Matt Canada, really, that's not how the Steelers operate, right? They kind of give you every chance that you're allowed or allotted until there's really no, no other leash to be let off. And I'm with you. I, I don't think there's any really scenario because of the style of play Kenny Pickett plays that he could really cost you this game. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's hard to kind of wrap your head around about how this season has unfolded with the team, given the offense, firing Matt Canada, the two losses to the uh, the, the Cardinals and the, um, the Patriots. But if you remember, Tom, I mean, sure, the Steelers came out flat against the Cardinals. It was still a one-possession game going into halftime. It was one of those games where you said, okay, no matter what, you know, it's not the start we thought we would get. It's obviously not going to be the win we thought we could get. But we've come back from one possession games. Hell, we've come back from 10-point games. It's nothing out of the ordinary for this team. But you just saw, I mean, Kenny did get hurt. And you didn't believe in Mitch Trubisky to help you get there. But it's the amount of times this team has come out flat with Kenny Pickett starting. It's the repetition of it. Yes, you're not in danger of losing those games, but... What Mason Rudolph did in his first start in almost three years, you saw more confidence, you saw more capability out of him in that one start than you did in almost any of Kenny Pickett's 24 starts he's had in his two-year career with the team. Now that leads me to this question. Can yeah. Pickett be as good as Rudolph was on Saturday? Because no question about it, that was a better performance than Pickett has had in his NFL career so far, what Mason Rudolph was able to do against the Bengals. Can Pickett end up becoming that? Can he at least, and I mean, I don't want it to be the end game is becoming Mason Rudolph, but can he at least even show that kind of level of play? And I lean towards yes, Jacob, because Mason was great. Don't get me wrong, but like he wasn't Mahomes out there. Like he wasn't no. just reinventing the position. He was just calm under the pressure. He utilized the pocket well. He went through his progressions 
and he pushed the ball down the field when it was appropriate to push the ball down the field. You know, those are all things that Kenny should be able to do. So, yes, I believe the answer is he can look like Mason Rudolph, uh, but you got to have the confidence and the, the willpower to do that, you know, once the game's live, the live bullets start to fly. Um, that's the one part where we haven't seen Kenny really translate what we saw in the preseason and what you see in practices to an actual game scenario. Um, but yeah, I think he can look like Mason did again. It's Mason played great, but it's not like he was just this new wave of quarterback. Um, he did exactly what a professional quarterback should do. And I think, you know, we see all these backups like Browning and O'Connell and, and they light it up more than Kenny ever has for a game or two. And it's because of they're doing what Mason's doing. They're going through their progressions. They're not panicking in the pocket. They're not spinning into sacks. They're throwing the ball down the field when they have to, uh, not worried about a potential tip or an interception. So, you know, yes, Kenny can absolutely get to that point. Um, but I would understand people being weary of him getting there with a 25-game sample size and him never really looking like that. I want to say yes. I want to agree with you, Todd, because – Look at the quarterbacks who we've seen do that this season. Guys like Josh Stobbs. Drew Locke did it against the Eagles on Monday Night Football. Nick Mullins did it. Desmond Ritter has done it. Tyrod Taylor has come in in relief to help out. Zach Wilson's done it. Jake Browning, we've seen him do it multiple times. Gardner Minshew, Joe Flacco, Mason Rudolph. I want to say yes because we've seen all these random, random names do it at some point. But my trepidation, Tom, is the fact that we haven't seen Kenny Pickett do it once in two years. That's where I hesitate. Oh, I, I understand your hesitation as well, and I think a lot of people have the same hesitation. Uh, whether it's Rudolph, whether it's Pickett, though, they got to win the next two games to get even a chance at getting into the playoffs. Nine and eight isn't going to cut it. You got to be ten and seven right now, at least in my eyes. How winnable, Jacob, are these two games in for you? Um, Seattle's tricky, you know, pull out a win tricky, against, yeah. they pull out a win against Tennessee last week. Geno Smith comes back in, looks not great, but they end up getting the win in Tennessee. Big deal. You know, if they drop that game, they probably are still in it, but it would have made life a lot harder on them, especially after coming back and beating the Eagles after such a bad losing streak uh, just the week prior before that Titans game. So the Seahawks get the win. They're eight and seven as they welcome you into their stadium, you know, the Ravens winning last night, it's a win and you get the one seed against the Dolphins next week. So the likelihood of a Week 18 matchup against Tyler Huntley and the backups is definitely, you know, I think more probable than not because I think the Ravens are going to beat the Dolphins come yeah. uh, next week. So to me, I think the real, real big swing game is coming up right here in Seattle. And I have my doubts that they can win it uh, if they do. I think you got a lot of momentum heading into playing a Baltimore team that doesn't have anything to play for. And yes, it's on the road. And yes, they always want to beat the black and gold. They haven't beaten you in a while. You lost earlier this year if you're the Ravens to the Steelers. But you should beat that Baltimore team. Uh, if they can get it, if they can get this one in their back pocket, Jacob, then I think they're going to go 10 and 7. And we might have to wait to see how the rest of the dominoes fall. But, you know, as far as the next two games being winnable, sure they are. This one in Seattle is the one that makes me nervous. Yeah, for sure. Because if they beat Seattle, I think they're going to beat Baltimore. Like, I think the momentum is just going to roll them right through. Uh, but going out to this West Coast is tough. Baltimore, Baltimore I think Baltimore's going to lock it up. Miami. Yeah, yeah, right. They're going to have the number one seed locked up. It's just the only question. The question about Baltimore is, is Harbaugh going to say to himself, 
the last time I have a number one seed locked up, I rested my guys in week, at the time it was week 17. And what happened in my first playoff game came out completely flat. That was Lamar's last MVP season. That was the Titans, right? The Titans just beat them badly. Yeah, Yeah, right. That was when Lamar, it was Lamar's MVP season. I think they went 14 and two in the regular season. Yeah. Uh, they rested their starters in week 17 against the Steelers. Still won that game, by the way. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I, I would I would say that that Steelers team, despite how injury ridden the defense is currently on the on the Steelers, that team for Pittsburgh in 2019 was less than to this team in 2023. But is there a shot now with that game in hindsight and that season in hindsight for Harbaugh? He would say. Maybe I'll throw out my guys in the first half, build a really comfortable lead, get them just pre- – like don't give them three weeks off or, or two weeks off rather. Let them get ready for this game like normal. Only go out for the first half no matter what happens and then pull them maybe even the in the first quarter. Who knows? Or like Labs was telling me earlier today when we were taping Ask the Answer, you know, go back to 2003, Brian Billick had things locked up for the Ravens uh, before the right. final week of the season. Steelers come to the town. He played all of his starters – because he just you gotta want to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, these are your arch rivals. So that's just yeah. Sometimes it's just how it goes. Sometimes you just really want to stick it to your rival. But and, they can't. You know, they can't do it this time. With the injuries have derailed their season the past two years. They're healthy now, and they're probably at this very moment the favorite to win the Super Bowl. You can't yes, have Lamar get. You can't have Lamar out there and, and risk him getting right. injured and ruining it all for a meaningless game. No, I, after last night, especially now that people are calling for Mike Florio to uh, check his receipts saying, when healthy, the Niners are the best team. Well, the Niners were fully healthy last night, and so were the Ravens, and the Ravens pummeled the Niners on national TV. Uh, but I think right now after that game, including the way they won, picking off Brock Purdy five times, you have to look at the Ravens as a favorite. Uh, they're going to be dangerous. I, You know, it's just – it's one of those things, though. It's an AFC North rivalry. I don't know what Harbaugh's going to do. I And this is all assuming, Tom, that they beat Miami. You know, even though it was a close game uh, against the Cowboys, Miami still showed they can finally beat a team mm. that's at their at – their, I know, I know. Hey, trust me, I'm the one who's been – who was promoting – the uh, the poser bowl all week long last week. I that was me. So I'm with you. I'm not saying that Miami can all of a sudden beat Baltimore, but we've seen teams beat other teams this season. It wouldn't shock me at all if if Baltimore wins that game seventy to nothing. <laughs> but let's just not jump to conclusions because you know what that makes out. Of, you know when you make assumptions, you know what that makes you. So assuming Baltimore does beat Miami. I'm I'm still not ready to say Harbaugh's going to bench his guys and just rest them and make them fully healthy. I think he's going to I think he's going to want to look back on that 2019 season and say this was the last time I was in this position. Maybe there was a learning curve there to it. But it comes back to it doesn't even matter because the Steelers what they have to do is win out. And before they get to week 18 they have to play in week 17 and that includes going to Seattle who just a week ago, hosted Philadelphia, and everyone was saying, well, this has to be the get-right game for the Eagles, and look what happened. It wasn't even Geno Smith. It was Drew Locke who went out there and won the game for them. So I'm, I'm, more, I'm with you. I'm more nervous for the Seattle game than I am the Baltimore game. 
So we just said we think the Ravens are the favorites now to win the Super Bowl. Is Lamar the favorite to win the MVP in your eyes? I think you have to say yes after yeah. Brock Purdy threw five interceptions yeah. on Monday Night Football. Every time we try to, as a as a collective here in the in the media and fans, every time we try to crown somebody, they just go ahead and bleep the bed the next week. The Bill, mm-hmm. remember we had Dak crowned and then he went to Buffalo mm-hmm. and just, and then we had Brock crowned after that and then he went up to Brock and McCaffrey for that matter crowned after that mm-hmm. and then they both went to Baltimore, went into San Francisco and they both just, I mean McCaffrey did score a touchdown which is remarkable how many touchdowns he has this year but still just purdy looked awful and then who's the guy jacob that's just been steady eddie all year long surprisingly it's lamar jackson in baltimore Mm -hmm. having one of his best seasons as a passer still just as big of a threat on the ground as well and it was really ho-hum for him yesterday right i mean he had the two tutties through the air but that defense is what really won that game for baltimore and that's what scares you that's what scares you. This Ravens team is more complete than it ever has been with Lamar. They've got receivers. They've got a running game because of him mainly, but they have it. They've got a defense too, So that, and they're healthy. So, I mean, this Ravens team is really looking scary. Yeah, and, you know, I'll, I'll mention one other guy who we've been talking about in this race, uh, Tyreek Hill. Didn't have 100, yeah, didn't crack yeah, 100 right. yards. Doesn't look like he's going to get to 2,000. He's hurt he's, now. He's definitely playing with an injury. Right. He's at 1,600 yards right now, which means he'll need a little over 300 yards to get him over 2,000. Mm, I could do that in two games, I, but I don't know. Yeah, especially, I don't, I don't, especially with that Baltimore defense next week. I mean, they just had right, a, Baltimore and then Buffalo. Yeah, oh, right. And that's, that's, a, that's a tough finish to the Dolphins schedule right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be very bad. It, it, this. This just shows how much of a needed win this was getting the win against Dallas yes. because they could go 0-2 down the stretch here. We'll gear up with the latest sideline apparel, hats, or jerseys of your favorite players, authentic memorabilia, custom items, and exclusives you can only find directly from the team at one of the official Steelers Pro Shops. They're located at Acrisure Stadium in the Grove City Premium Outlets. They're at the Tanger Outlets, or you can visit online at shop.steelers.com. We kind of already started doing that to the end of this episode, but we're going to take a look around the NFL and we come back, talk about that Ravens win over the Niners, talk about the Bills, keep rolling, the Cowboys-Dolphins game, all that on the table as we recap what went down in week 16 of the NFL season. So keep it right here. You're listening to the Steelers Standard. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 